All right, so now we're going to get into chapter 9 of the book of Romans, talk a little bit about free will um, or the lack of free will. It goes back, Paul does in chapter 9 of Romans, goes back to Jacob and Esau from the Old Testament um, and how Jacob ended up stealing Esau's birthright. Um, he was the the younger son, so it's the older son that has the birthright and was going to get the, the blessing. But Jacob tricked Esau, um, prepared a meal for his father, um, Isaac, um, when Esau went off hunting. And, and it's a story in the Old Testament. You'd have to go back there and, and review that. I don't want to get into all of it there, but... There's a lot of things that went on between Jacob and Esau, and Jacob ended up stealing the blessings from Esau, and Jacob eventually, his name was changed to Israel, and he was one of the main patriarchs of the people of Israel, so it was a big deal. But here, Paul is going back to that story and telling whose decision it was. Was it Jacob's free will choice, or was it a choice Esau made? And it turns out that it's neither of those. It's It was God who made this choice. And here in chapter 9 of Romans, he is hitting that point home very hard, that it is God that makes decisions, that it's God that is sovereign. And people make choices. Yes, we make choices, but they're choices that were preordained by God for us to make. So God writes the script for us. And yes, we live, move, and breathe, and relatively speaking, we make choices, but those are all based on God's predetermined script. So if we look at chapter 9, verse 11 here in Romans, it says, and this is talking about Jacob and Esau now, for not as yet being born, so they weren't born yet, nor putting into practice anything good or bad, so they haven't been born, they haven't done anything good or bad yet, that the purpose of God may be remaining as a choice, not out of acts, but of him, capital H, this is God, who is calling. It was declared to her, this is uh, Rebecca, that the greater shall be slaving for the inferior. According as it is written, Jacob I have love, Jacob I love, yet Esau I hate. Okay, this is God speaking in the first person here. Now, he doesn't hate Esau. He actually blessed Esau very much, but he hates Esau relative to Jacob, meaning that Jacob is going to get his blessing to be uh, head the nation of Israel. So what this, these verses are saying, and this is the way God operates for all humanity. It's not just Jacob and Esau. But what this is saying is that before Jacob and Esau were even born, before they did anything good or bad, how could you do anything good or bad before you're born? So the reason that is put in here is to get us to understand that it had nothing to do with what Jacob and Esau did. It was all of God. He made this decision before they were born, before they did anything. So it was impossible for this to be out of their own acts. It was God's decision before they were even born. 
So if God made a decision before they were even born for all of this to happen, and this was very complicated and tricky because Jacob had to go through all this whole, this whole process to trick Esau, and they had to live their whole lives a certain way. So every little detail went into this decision that God had made before they were even born. So all of this stuff, if God makes big decisions in your life, he has to make the little details in your life happen in order for that decision to take place. So God did all of this before either one of them was born. And if that's not enough, he actually says it. He did this so that it will be remaining as a choice. Whose choice? His choice. Not out of acts of the person, not out of the acts of Jacob and Esau or what they did, but of him who is calling, capital H, that's God. So he is saying here that he makes the decisions of what Jacob and Esau are going to be. He makes the decisions of what every single human being is going to be before they're even born, before they can do anything good or bad. See, religion tells us that if you do bad, then you know you get bad things and you go down a different road than what God wants you to go down. And if you do good, oh, God will reward you like he's sitting around waiting to see what you will do and then adjusting your destiny based on the decisions you make. No, sir. No, ma'am. That is not what is going on. God forms our inmost being. He wrote down every single detail and day of our lives in his book before one of them came to be, as the psalmist said. He directs our steps. He does what he pleases with the peoples of the earth. God is sovereign. Man does not have a free will. There is no place in all of scripture that talks about man having a free will. Free will means that you can operate independently of what God is and make a choice free from any influence. That's impossible. We make choices, yes, but they are influenced and we bow down to the greatest influence every time, whatever that may be. Free will is a farce. And if you truly study scripture, that explodes off the pages in scripture. So anyway, I want to keep moving on here. I'm going to talk a lot about free will in the coming uh, podcasts. But in verse 15 here, it goes on. God just reinforcing, basically, that he makes the decisions. It's not up to man to choose on their own free will um, to get a certain destiny or not. It's up to God and what he does. So it says, I shall be merciful to whomever I may be merciful, and I shall be pitying whoever I may be pitying. This is God speaking here. And that verse means to me, it's he's kind of saying, I'll do whatever I want. If I want to have mercy on someone, I'll have mercy on them. If I want to pity him, I'll pity him. Consequently, then, this is verse 16. It is not of him. And he says it again. This is talking of human beings. Now it shifts from Jacob and Esau as the example to now talking to everybody. Consequently, then, it is not of him who is willing, nor of him who is racing, but of God the merciful. So who makes the decisions? It's not the person who's trying really hard or willing or him who is working really hard and racing. It's not up to them. It's up to God and the decisions he makes. 
For the scripture is saying to Pharaoh that for this selfsame thing I rose you up, so that I should be displaying in you my power, and so that my name should be published in the entire earth. Consequently then, now listen to this, consequently then, to two, to whom he will, this is God, to whom he will, he is merciful. Yet whom he will, he is hardening. So what this says is that God is merciful to whoever he wants to be merciful to, and he hardens the heart of whoever he wants to harden their heart of. So he hardens hearts and he's merciful. And Pharaoh's the example here. Pharaoh, you remember Moses, the story of Moses going to Pharaoh, trying to let the Israelites go out of Egypt so they can go back to their homeland and sent the plagues. Scripture says that it was God that hardened Pharaoh's hearts. And here, hardened Pharaoh's heart. And here, the reason why, God explains it. So that his power, God's power, may be displayed throughout the entire earth. So there's a reason God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And, and this was evil. Pharaoh did evil, but it was God who put that in him. Yes, Pharaoh made the decisions, and relatively speaking, yes, Pharaoh did not let the Egyptians go. But it was God who put that in his heart. So ultimately, God is responsible for that. So even the evil that is in this world, and you know, this is uh, a topic for another show because it's very important as well, evil where does evil come from? Well, God created evil. Isaiah 45, 7 says in the first person, God says, I created evil. And there's tons of other scriptures that discuss evil as well and how God created evil. Lamentations 3.38, both good and evil come from the Lord. Amos 3.6, God does evil in a city. Ecclesiastes 1.13, God has given humanity an experience of evil. Okay, so we're, we're given evil. God uses evil, and he hardens people's hearts to do evil. But eventually, he uses that evil to glorify himself, and eventually he will welcome that evildoer home with open arms through the death of entombment and resurrection of Jesus Christ as well. But it's God. The point here is it's God that hardens hearts and it's God that is merciful. So it is God who makes the decisions of what a person will be before they're even born. So ultimately, it is all of God. And ultimately, God takes responsibility for all of this and he will set everything right through the death and resurrection of his son. Okay, so back to free will. So if that's not enough, in verse 19, there's actually a protester that says, why then is he still blaming? So what this protester is asking in Romans, how can God blame people if he's the one who hardens their heart? Logical question. I get this question a lot. Oh, there, oh there, there's no free will then, you know, how can God blame people for doing things? Well, ultimately, every sin, every evil you commit, God is going to turn it around so that eventually, maybe not in this life, but in the next, is going to be used to create a greater good and love and appreciation and 
character trait in you that would not have been possible if you didn't go through that sin or evil. So he makes everything good. But evil is just used to give us an experience of of death and heartache so that when we get to the other side, we can truly appreciate the joy and goodness that comes from life. But the protester says, why is he still blaming? Who can withstand his intention? Right? If God wants you to do something, he creates you to do something, how can you not do it? And basically, Paul answers him in a way that kind of doesn't answer the question. It says, who, he says, who are you? God is God. You are not. He can make the decisions. He knows what he's doing. And he says, how can that which is molded will not protest to the molder? Why do you make me thus? Or has not the potter the right over the clay out of the same needing to make one vessel indeed for honor, yet one for dishonor? And it goes on to describe this situation a little bit. But what he's comparing human beings to here is being clay in God's hands or clay in the potter's hands. So God is the potter. We are the clay. So when you think of a potter making clay, does the clay have a right to decide what he's going to be? Or does the potter create the clay as he wants it? for the, the purpose that he wants it for? And does he pay attention to every little fine detail? Yes, he does. So people say, oh, we, we, have, we don't have free will. We're robots. No, we're not robots. We don't buzz and blink. Um, we have emotions. We, we are human. But the metaphor is we are clay in the potter's hands. Yes, we are clay in the potter's hands. God molds us. God shapes us to be what he wants us to be, to use us for his purposes. And every single human being, whether a vessel of dishonor or a vessel of honor, will be used to glorify God and will eventually be brought home by the death of entombment and resurrection of Jesus Christ, not because of anything they have done, but because of what Jesus has done. So if we look through this chapter in Romans, we really can summarize that it's God that makes decisions before we're even born to mold us into exactly what he wants us to be. And it's going to be no matter what pain or evil we go through, we go through that to produce the greatest possible joy we can have that is unimaginable to the human being. So no matter what you're going through, it's predetermined by God. No matter what sin you've committed, no matter what sin has been committed against you, what pain, what flaw, whatever you're going through, that's all part of a plan. Remember, God... God is God, so he is in control of everything. All is of God. In him we live, we move, we breathe. No one can say to God, you know, what what have I given you? Because God gives us everything. So if we give him something, it's because 
he gave it to us first. If we're giving him faith, it's because he chose to give give us faith first. So God is really in control of everything. And he's going to bring everything home and bring everything to perfection in due time.